Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Grab a Bible, if you will, and turn to Exodus chapter 9. We're continuing our journey uh, through the life of Moses, which uh, I hope you found pretty fascinating, because I know I have. And uh, I think you're going to find it the same today, Exodus, the second book of the Bible. So if you're just joining us, uh, you might recall that Moses uh, was, you know, born into Egypt and then became the, the prince of Egypt, went to Midian, you know, a long ways away. God calls him back when he's 80 years old to free the Israelites out of, out of Egypt. And then God did tell Moses that it's not going to be easy, it's going to be very difficult, and that he's going to harden the Pharaoh's heart so that he will not let the people go, and then there's going to be all these plagues. And so we're in the middle of the plague. So if you want to go back and kind of read some of those plagues, that might be uh, beneficial for you to understand kind of where we are. But we're going to jump kind of into the middle because I think there's a lot of things in there that will be very practical for us, for our lives, that will really apply to our lives uh, and just help us in our own relationship with God. Uh, But let me ask you a question. What does it take to get your attention? I want you to think about that for a minute. What does it take for someone to grab your attention? Like for some of you, Uh, especially your relationship with God. I'm going to take that one step further. For some of you, when Jesus invites us and says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, uh, some of you would just respond to that and be like, God invites, you respond, and you sit down in the presence of God, which I hope you're doing today, and just sit and relax in God's presence for an hour out of your very busy week, and it's an amazing time, and you just respond to God that way. Uh, others, it's that proverbial, you need the two-by-four, you know, kind of whacked across the head to get your attention before finally you respond. Because it's one thing to just get our attention, but then what does it take for you to respond, and especially respond to God? So Friday was interesting. Uh, here's a, a kind of a little example of this. So I'm driving down Poseyville, I'm, I'm heading home, and speed limit is 55. I'm doing, I actually was doing 55. I looked down, I'm doing 55 miles an hour. And, uh, and this truck, this pickup truck, maybe it was one of you, comes flying past me like I was parked, you know. And uh, I'm like, he is, he is moving. My first thought was, man, I hope there's a cop on the other side of the hill. <laughs> so half a mile later, I come over the hill. And would you believe here comes a cop car coming towards me, state trooper. I'm like, how come you didn't stop that guy? You know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, why didn't you stop him? I could see him. He's right ahead of me. And then I pass him, and I look down, and I'm doing 63. And it was one of those little reminders of God saying, before you point a finger and judge someone, why don't you look at yourself? And you know what? That was one of those things. It did. It got my attention. Maybe fear factor. I immediately slowed down to 55 like it mattered. I mean, he already passed me. But I slowed back down, and I'm like, oh, that's what it took to get my attention. And then I responded right away. Okay, but that's a simple example. But what about when God's trying to get your attention? What does he have to do? 
Because here's one thing that I think I've learned along the way, watching not just my own life, but watching other people's lives, is you can make it easy or you can make it hard on yourself. When God invites us to go into a deeper relationship with him and you respond early on, uh, it's pretty easy and simple. But the further that you drift, and especially when you're, you're getting caught up in something you know you shouldn't be, you're getting caught up in a sin you know you shouldn't be, and it's starting to get a hold on you, and you're going deeper and you're going deeper, that all of a sudden you notice that life is starting to get harder and harder and harder. In the recovery community, oftentimes it takes for us to hit rock bottom. It, help, it takes for someone to get to that lowest spot in their life that they have nothing left, they've lost everything, and finally, God has their attention. And that's what it takes. And God will take you wherever he needs to take you so that he can get your attention. Why? Because that's his love for us. Not punishment because we're drifting. It's his love for us that compels him to go after us and to do whatever he has to do to wake us up, turn us around, change direction so that we start coming back towards him. That's, that's God's love for us. And we're going to look at that a little bit later. All right, if you've got Exodus 9 open, you're going to see this play out at what we're just talking about. So Exodus 9, find verse 13. So then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh, and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. That's a simple request, right? Let them go so they can worship me. Or, don't miss that word. Sometimes those one simple words in the Bible make all the difference. He's getting an ultimatum. Let them go worship me. Or, this time... I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. I I just want to highlight a few things. God was going after one person, Pharaoh. That was the request. But if he didn't respond, who's going to pay the price? Him, his officials, and everybody around him, all the people. There are sometimes your life is hard, friends, because it has nothing to do with you. Like, why, why are these things going on in my life? Why is my life hard? Why are bad things happening? And you may not realize that there is somebody in your life that God is going after that they are folding their arms, they're resisting God, and it's starting to get hard for everybody in that person's life. And you may be wondering at times, I can't figure this out. Life is hard. What's going on? There's something going on. I can't figure it out. Why is it getting so bad? Why is it getting so hard? Well, sometimes you just have to look around you, and you may not even know what's going on in somebody's life somebody that you love, somebody that you care about, but God is going after them, and you're paying the price. Or if you're at work, 
Your coworkers are paying the price. Your department, your whole business, it doesn't matter. Sometimes when God goes after us and we harden ourselves and refuse to respond to God, those around us get hurt. And so now what is God saying? That if you don't respond the way I'm asking you to, life is going to be really hard for you, your officials, and all the people. Why? And don't miss that. So, there again, one word. So, why is God doing this? Here's a simple answer. So you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. He wanted Pharaoh to know that there is no God like God. No one. That's what God wanted him to know. So God goes a little bit further. For by now, I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and all your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. Uh, Sometimes you have to smile at God. If you don't do what I'm saying, it's going to be hard for you, your officials, and your people. And oh, by the way, I could have wiped you off the face of the earth. I mean, I could have said the word, done. You're all gone. Well, here's the interesting thing for all of us. Is there anything God can't do? No. But God said, you know, I can do everything. But you know what God didn't do? One thing God didn't do is force the Pharaoh to change his heart. That's where God says, we all have free will. God God could have, what's he saying? Well, I could have just skipped the free will part, skipped over Pharaoh, wiped everybody out, and then we're good. Then the Israelites are free to go. But he doesn't. He starts with Pharaoh, and he wants Pharaoh to change. And he's not. So God goes a step further. But I've raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And there's the most important thing we have to know. If you wonder what's going on in your life, and sometimes you can't make sense of your life, God is on mission, and you don't ever lose sight of that. God is on mission to get as many people into heaven as he can. Nothing else matters as much as that to God. Nothing. God will go to the greatest lengths that are unfathomable to get one more person into heaven. God knows what he's doing. He's on mission. And our lives are part of that, that God partners with us and he wants to work with us. One, to keep us close to him, but then also to use the events in our life to help somebody else know Jesus. And you have to know that when you can't make sense of your life, are you thinking eternally? Are you thinking Is God going after someone? Is God going after me? Is God going after someone else in my life? Is God going after the heart of a child? Is God going after the heart of a parent, a spouse, a friend? What's God doing? Why are these things happening? And take a step back and just say, God, is there something eternal going on here? Something that I can't make sense of. And we're all getting dragged into this and we don't understand why. What are you up to? And it's probably that God is going after somebody because he wants them to know 
him more than anything else. Okay, so verse 18. Therefore, with all that being said, God says, therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt from the day it was founded till now. Did you catch that? It'll be the worst you've ever experienced. God's using nature. Hailstorm. Can I ask you a question? You think God's going after a country? Have you seen any natural disasters going on in our country? Seen an uptick in them? Seen fires that are out of control? Hurricanes? Seen a pandemic lately? Seen disasters going on all over our country? Do you think maybe God is using nature to get our attention? Because for those people that are hit by these things, I can tell you, it's the worst event that probably ever happened in their life. When your house burns down to the ground, it's probably one of the worst events of your whole life. Like I was talking to somebody on Friday, went in a pivot point. A gentleman walked in who I knew, and I said, how are you doing? And he said, well, you mean before or after my house burnt down? Because my house burnt completely to the ground. And we talked about it. And he cried. See, that was the worst event that could ever happen to him in his life, that, that he lost everything. Or if your, your house is suddenly destroyed by water, it's the worst event that could ever happen to you. Do you think maybe, just maybe, God is trying actively to get our attention God used a hailstorm and said, it will be the worst one you've ever seen. And what was God trying to do was he was getting, he was going after one person's heart, but he was getting the attention through everybody. So now God in his grace says this, given order now, now, don't wait, now, to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field to a place of shelter because the hail will fall on every person an animal that has not been brought in and is still out in the field and they will die. This is where God in his grace says, all right, Moses was being a weatherman. Remember 20 years ago when we'd watch TV and they would tell you what the weather's going on and you'd look outside and you'd hear what they say and go, it's not matching. And we used to get really mad at weather people because they were about 50% right and they were 50% wrong. Well, Moses is a weatherman saying, uh, Pharaoh, tomorrow, tomorrow. So you better do it now. Get everybody in the field. Get everybody who's outside in, indoors. I'm warning you, get them indoors. That was God in his grace. He gave a warning. Now look how people respond. Those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside. I mean, can you imagine running out there and saying, the worst hailstorm's ever gonna hit? I just heard about it. Get inside now. You, get the animals, get inside. Come right now. 
so you can be saved. But, there's another word, circle that word, but those who ignored the word of the Lord left their slaves and livestock in the field. There's another example of, I don't believe it. I don't believe what God says is true. Who paid the price? People and animals. All died. Don't underestimate how our response to God, our relationship with God, has an impact on others, both positively and negatively. Our refusal to follow God means life is going to be very hard for other people at times. And they're innocent. But God will use that because he's going after us. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that hail will fall over Egypt, all over Egypt, on people and animals and on everything growing in the fields of Egypt. When Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed onto the ground so the Lord made hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm. Did you catch that? The worst storm. How about in America? The worst fire. The worst hurricane. The worst. It was the worst. <clears throat> I lost my spot. There it is. Okay. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. Throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in the fields, both people and animals. It beat down everything growing in the fields and stripped every tree. The only place it did not hail was the land of Goshen where the Israelites were. Sometimes you just have to marvel at God. Like, that was incredible. In fact, there's another plague of like darkness comes over Egypt for three days and, and I've been trying to get my arms around this that the Israelites had light like daylight and the Egyptians were in pure darkness now I'm not the brightest light bulb in the pack but I don't know how the sun comes up and some people are in pitch dark and some people are in day I, I don't know how that works but God did some amazing thing with darkness so that the Egyptians, it says, they could not even see each other outside. They were com like completely blind. It was so dark. But the Israelites went about their day in light. Or here's another one. You know, God shelters the Israelites so that not one hailstone falls there. Nobody dies. Nobody gets hurt. If you're in the fields... You're probably looking like, well, that is the worst storm I've seen in my life. And you could see the hail coming down from heaven. You could just see it coming down from the sky. And yet, untouched. God in his grace, his power to control a storm. Remember when Jesus was in the boat and the waves were going crazy and he was sleeping and the disciples woke him up? And he said, oh, you of little faith, why were you worried? Why are you so afraid? And it was he do, 
calms the storm. Just calms the storm. And it must have amazed the, the, the disciples that Jesus could control nature and calm it. But we have examples of that already in the Old Testament. That God could control. Hail, when it would start, when it would stop. And where it would be, and where it wouldn't be. See, what does this mean for our life? If God is able to control the natural elements that happen in our world of wind and hail and storms and light and dark, and God is able to control all of that, what are you facing in your life that God can't control? What are you going through in your life that God can't reach? And I will tell you, there's only one thing, a heart. A heart has to respond. God will never overpower a heart. He will never do it. He will always give us the freedom to say yes to God or no to God. He will always give us that freedom. But life might get really hard in the process. Okay, so verse 27. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. This time I have sinned, he said to them. Uh, did you, wait, I, I got to go back to that. That was the Pharaoh. He recognized. After he's been through the worst hailstorm of his life, he says to Moses, this time I've sinned. That was a good start. That's a good start for us when we're straying away from God. The first step is I've sinned. But that's not the only step. Because we can recognize we've sinned and then not change. We just keep right on doing it over and over and over and over again, which keeps us in the same place running away from God, that just because we say we're sorry, what is the change or what has to happen that we will turn back in our relationship with the Lord? So Pharaoh says, this time I've sinned, he said to them. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong Pray to the Lord, for we've had enough thunder and hail. I will let you go. You don't have to stay any longer. That was awesome that he said that. But it was just lip service. Moses replied, When I've gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop, and there will be no more hail, so you may know that the earth is the Lord's. See, it all belongs to God. I don't know about you, but this must have been incredible. Can you imagine? I, I would want to follow Moses, except I'd be scared of the hail. I'd want to follow Moses to watch him just spread out his hands, and the hail stops. That would be incredible. I would be in such awe of not just the power of God, but that God is hearing Moses and God is responding to the prayer of Moses. And there's another great lesson for us. That when we pray, your prayer goes right to the throne of heaven. God hears us. And God is able to do anything. This is why we always pray, thy will be done. God, your will be done. And you may not understand what's going on in your life, but God does. God hears us every time we pray. Well, Moses responded to Pharaoh. 
He said, but I know you and your officials still do not fear the Lord God. You may have said you're sorry. You may have said you're sinned, but you still don't fear God. So the flax and barley were destroyed. Since the barley had head and the flax was in bloom, the wheat and spelt, however, were not destroyed because they ripened later. Um, okay, now verse 33. Then Moses left Pharaoh and went out of the city. He spread out his hands toward the Lord, and the thunder and hail stopped, and the rain no longer poured down in the land. When Moses saw that the rain and hail and thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said through Moses. Boy, there's something else we can take from that. God, relieve my pain, relieve my suffering, relieve my situation, help me in my situation. And we appeal to God if something's not right in our life, and we appeal to God, and God acts, and then we just walk away from God. Well, back to normal. God knows us. He knows us. That the purpose of hardships is to bring us closer to Jesus. The purpose of our challenges are to grow us in our relationship with God. The very purpose of our hurts, our pains, our suffering is so that we would turn to God, not until relief is done, and then we're like, okay, now I can do whatever I want to do. God uses all of that. that. That's what's so amazing about God is he uses every situation, every good, bad, ugly, hard, difficult situation with a singular purpose that we might know him more, that we might grow closer to him, that we might rely on him, we might turn to him, we might trust him, we might hold on to him, or we might simply just sit in his presence. That's all. It's what you're doing right now. And maybe right now you're on the run. Maybe there's something going on in your heart that you feel like you're on the run for, from God. I want to encourage you today, just sit down. Just sit down. And let God be your God. Stop fighting and just sit with him. I know I'm out of time here, but I want you to look at one more thing with me. Luke chapter 15. I want you to see how much God loves us. Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It's a heart issue. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. 
Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. See, God, his love for us is so much that he's going to go after you. Because when you're that lost sheep, he'll do everything to reach you. Everything to reach you. And if it's somebody in your life that he loves, which he does, and they're running, God will go after them out of love. And life might get really hard. And life might get really hard for you because God's going after somebody that you love. And you might go through a lot of pain. You might go through a lot of suffering. You might go through a lot of challenges. But know that in those times, God is probably going after that one. And he's not going to stop. He's not going to give up. He's not going to say, well, I can't find him. He's going to go after that one. And if it's not you, it might be someone else that you know. He's going to go after them at all costs. And you might have to pay the highest cost. Because he's going after one. Friends, that's love. That's what this means. That he came down. And it's so easy to think he came down for the world. That's so detached. For God so loves you. He gave up heaven so you could be in heaven with him. That's how much God loves us. And we can't, we can never get our arms around that kind of love. But you have to know that God loves you that much to go after you and to go after those that are in your life that he loves. That's love. Let's pray, okay? God, we give you the freedom to go after us and those that we love. And we know that life might get really difficult. Lord, keep us close to you. When we can't make sense of life, help us and remind us that maybe there's something eternally going on here. Something eternal that you are going after somebody's heart. And they may be quiet about it. We may not know anything about it, but God, you know. And you're never going to quit. You're never going to give up on them. You're never going to give up on us. And so, Jesus, please, keep us really close to you. That whatever we're facing, keep us close to you. And we want to say thank you for the love, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your goodness that you show to us every day. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. 
Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.